Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode three of Naked Data Science, the number one podcast on leading data science projects and teams in the real world. In this episode, I'm interviewing Angus Macintosh. Angus is from Scotland and moved to Amsterdam in 2017. Two years ago, he joined Orange Quarter, a team of specialist recruiters in Amsterdam and Berlin. Angus was brought on to build and mature Orange Quarter's data science network. Fast forward to today, Angus works with some of Europe's biggest names in technology, curating structured teams that create value from machine learning, data engineering, and analytics. We will talk about the state of data science and data engineering job market in Amsterdam as of early 2020. What profiles are the hardest to find? Career development path. Why data scientists leave their current jobs? How many years of experience you need to become a senior data scientist, and the advantages of becoming a hybrid? Enjoy. In today's episode, I have a guest, Angus from Orange Quarter. Hello, hi. We know each other because、uh, you are working in Orange Quarter, which、mm-hmm. is a recruitment agency in Amsterdam. And in your job, you work with a lot of data scientists, right? That's correct. Can you just quickly tell us your work? What do you do in Orange Quarter, and how does that link to the wider data science community? Yeah, absolutely. So Orange Quarter, we're a startup tech-focused recruitment agency in Amsterdam. We've been active here for about three and a half years or so, mostly in the scale-up scene or in kind of innovation labs of larger companies. And I joined two years ago, really to build up our data science capabilities. So it wasn't really something that we'd done before. But、um, our founder Joe Walsh, he、uh, noticed a big opportunity for that. So for the last two years, I've basically been working with companies to try to establish teams there, particularly fill harder to find roles. So it's great. I get to speak to a lot of people who do a lot of different things on the data science side, from building Fitbits for cows to <laughs> delivering gas in Brazil. So it's it's very、uh, very varied、uh, on a day to day basis. So it's、uh, it's interesting. I don't think an average data scientist will have the opportunity to be exposed to as many different kind of companies or、uh, different kind of jobs that they are looking for, right? Yeah. So I think this is something that I really appreciate that you can share with us today here. You mentioned already that there are some jobs that are difficult to find. Can you give us an example on one or two of these? Yeah, so I mean, it's worth probably saying I build teams around data science, data engineering, and data analytics. And I think these teams that we see that are in companies now need some of all of these skills. So the hardest to find roles are definitely senior ones,、mm-hmm. because data science really became popular in 2011 or 12.、Yeah. That's when it was described as the sexiest job of the yeah, 21st century. Yeah? yeah, but then you find a lot of people at that point then were going into university. Um, or doing masters or PhDs, so、yeah. they then don't have as much experience now at this point. So finding senior people, particularly within the data engineering side of things, I think is also、mm-hmm. more more tricky. Now I'd say in the last nine to twelve months, it's more about finding also managers as well who can strategically lead these teams and deliver value from them in a business. So you talk about the more senior and a manage,、uh, management type of role. So if you look at all the different kind of people you talk to, different kind of roles you have seen, and if you look at the long-term perspective of career growth and development,、mm. what are some of the interesting observations? 
Well, the first thing I mean from a recruitment point of view, obviously, is that people do tend to move on from jobs more regularly these days. So the average lifespan is somewhere around like almost a year and a half now, maybe two years. Whereas, you know, it obviously takes a while to build up trust or return on investment if you're in somewhere. So people can view a move to another company as an opportunity to become a senior or a lead when it might take longer in their current company. And I see people definitely going through this route of senior data scientist, lead data scientist, and then eventually a manager, potentially. Some people don't want to manage, which is also fine. So then you can end up in sort of an expert position where you can work with the data scientists in the team, still be hands-on working on problems, but also then a lot of coaching and actually trying to improve the knowledge in the business of uh, data science. Yeah. A common pattern you see in a lot of other kind of jobs is that as you progress in your career, you kind of have to go into management in order to progress. But then in data science and also data engineering, we are seeing more and more cases where you can just become a very senior individual contributor mm-hmm. and yet still be able to influence the business to deliver values and also get good compensations from it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Plus, also, if you become a manager, then at some point your time is more spent managing, which sounds obvious, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the technology's changed so fast and the approaches to actually doing things are so quick these days. To really remain an expert, you have to be consistently challenging yourself to learn more and adopt whatever new practices are coming into play. So if you want to do that, then you need to remain very close to the actual technology itself and not become necessarily a people manager. Yeah, I can certainly relate to that. So uh, in my team, one of the patterns we have seen is that if we have a data scientist leading a team of data scientists and uh, engineers, for example, and if that person still wants to keep reasonably up to date with the development in the field to stay relatively close to the topic, then you cannot lead a team more than four to five people. That's basically, in our experience, the point where you need to make a choice. Do you see the similar pattern elsewhere as well? Does that number differ? I would think so, yeah. yeah. Especially if you're having to do things like code reviews or performance analysis, then yeah, in my opinion, then small teams are also better. So you can probably achieve more as four, four or five people mm-hmm. than you can if you're in a big team of 10, say. Mm-hmm. Or it would have to be split up slightly differently. But the head of data role is an interesting one, actually, because companies now are like, okay, we need someone to lead the strategy, someone who can speak to C-level and who can then also manage the team. But this is the position where you have people coming in from work almost of different areas So you have people who are coming from a strategy and innovation background where data science would actually be in the innovation center of a company or a consultancy, but these people weren't necessarily data scientists. Or you have people who are coming maybe from more of a product-minded sense, so they might be product managers or heads of products, but they have been building data products in companies and then they want to be a head of data also. Mm -hmm. And then you have the more, like what we're talking about, going from like a data science manager or principal data specialist into being a head of data. So that's, that's a hard role to get into because it's so popular from these different areas. Yeah, I think it's quite unique, exactly like you say, because of how relatively new these type of roles are and in a lot of yeah. companies are seen as driving or leading the innovation for the business around data science. So you see this unique situation that different backgrounds are fitting into this role. So when you think about right now, for example, somebody who is leading a data scientist team and want to go into such a role, what are some of their advantages and what are some of the stuff that they don't necessarily develop naturally in their previous role Mm -hmm. that if they pick up can help them get into a head of data role? On the 
plus side, obviously, they understand how data scientists operate, how long it takes to deliver projects, how you know, they can actually look at the code itself or advise ways of tweaking your model. There's also the domain knowledge that you build up within a company as well. And then what you need to add is really the business understanding. So this is a complaint that I hear from hiring managers. Like, is something that's probably most lacking in data scientists in general is really, okay, we know what we're doing on the technical side and we can probably do some very smart stuff, but how are you delivering business value? Mm -hmm. Or are you asking the right questions to solve the right business problems? Because sometimes the you know, senior management might not mind if a model is 70% accurate or 80% accurate. So you almost have to decide, okay, what is the point where we spent enough time on this that we can get them to make an action or deliver an insight on this? It's definitely not one of those things that you learn in a data science course or in most of the data science related books. When you think about the people that develop this over time versus the people that don't tend to develop this over their career, what difference do you see? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there can be become a focus on technology too much sometimes, or mm -hmm. people, particularly if they're changing jobs, can sometimes think, okay, I'm going to do more modeling or more machine learning or more GANs or convolutional neural networks, whereas the people who, I suppose, are more focused on either building products or solving problems, mm -hmm. so people who are very solutions-focused tend to then naturally progress in that sense. It's also partly, you know, communication, being able to manage stakeholders, because especially as a data scientist, you should be speaking with a lot of people on the business side. So helping them understand what you can deliver, helping them understand what the data science team is capable of, what you're capable of. So it's like, especially for someone like myself, if someone can explain some of these very complicated theories to myself who's not technical, that's already a good sign that they will be able to do that in a business with other people. The last point uh, specifically you mentioned is about, okay, the ability to be able to explain complicated data science concepts in relatively simple language. It's not only because business I want to have something simple, but to me also, from a problem-solving perspective, I always believe that if you cannot explain what you are working on in relatively simple and direct language to others, then it's a sign that you might not even fully understand yourself. Yeah. I completely agree. And it also helps you to understand it yourself. If you're like, okay, I need to go and explain this to someone, you're putting your thoughts in a presentation or down on paper, and mm -hmm. you're like, okay, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about so much here. <laughs> and this kind of competency takes time to develop. You don't know how to do this. The first year, you become a data scientist. How many years into career, we typically start seeing people, if they develop this type of competency, start seeing that? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I, I, I think it's always tough to put years of experience on something because I think that's a fault that a lot of companies actually make because someone might have had two years in a completely data-driven, tech-focused company where they're given a lot of responsibility or you might be in a giant old-school corporate where you're siloed off and you work on one small part of the product. So it, it very much depends on the experience you're gaining, but mm -hmm. I'd say... In, in terms of, you know, you should be looking to become a senior, most people I'm seeing probably after four or five years, and then you're a lead maybe another two or three years after that, or you could be a manager at the same time, even still after six or seven years of graduating. It's not only about the years of experience, because you can have 10 years of experience, or you yeah. can have 10 times one year experience. So you mentioned that you have been uh, with Orange Quarter for two years now. Two years, yeah. And uh, also it's around the same time you start getting into the field of data science, data engineering. 
What are some of the top things that you wish you knew when you first started? The technologies is always one for someone who's not technical. So, mm -hmm. you know, I had to spend a lot of my first few months really speaking to a lot of people, you know, really trying to understand, how, right, what are you building? How are you building it? How does this, um, you know, library connect with this? And what does this do? Mm -hmm. So that's one aspect. And then I think from my side, it's, it's about client requirements as well. So understanding what they need in a data scientist actually maybe is probably the most valuable thing for me because not everyone always knows. And so if I'm speaking to people about what they're looking for, I'd say I'm much more prepared at this point to discuss what's realistic, what's on the market. I'd say the maturity in the market is making that easier now because when I started, you know, what people were asking for was someone who could do absolutely everything. <laughs> uh, and now the knowledge of data science is becoming better. I think it's, it's improving in terms of knowing what kind of profiles to look for. Mm -hmm. If I look back two years ago, also myself have seen a lot of job postings. Yeah. When I look at it, I was like, yeah, not sure if we ever find somebody like this. Yes, no, I think people will, everyone's always aiming for the, the unicorn <laughs> and the ninja or something. And I think people are understanding that there's been a splitting or so of, of you know, certain specialities, particularly within data science and data engineering. So people who are almost a bit of a hybrid of, of both. Mm -hmm. That actually, I think, makes you more valuable on, on the market because in a lot of companies you're going in, you're not just doing pure modeling. And I, I hear a lot and lots and lots of people say that to me. <laughs> you know, I want, I want a role where I'm doing just more modeling. But the realities are just, that's not the case. And I think maybe that's uh, an education thing as well. That's it's this so emphasized when you're being taught that you maybe think that's what data science is. But when you start to work in businesses for longer, you realize that it's, it's different. And if you can build a machine learning pipeline end-to-end -end, from gathering the data to mm. developing the model to deploying it, then you're more valuable, I think, on the whole. Data science for a long time was the preserve of larger companies yeah. that could afford to have teams. They could afford to spend a lot of money on you know, a year or two of roadmap for mm -hmm. having a whole team to deliver value. Whereas, yeah, for a lot of companies, if they're growing fast or they're exploring data science for the first time, they like people to take on more responsibilities. We also work with startups who are trying to hire their first data scientist. They're often probably the least clued up about what they need. So they think they need a data scientist or they've been gathering data, the mm -hmm. developers have been building databases or database infrastructure themselves. It's tricky to say because every company looks for something different, but I almost always say to them, you almost need more of a data analyst. So someone who can start to look on a very high level at your actual picture, like what do you need? Because you might be a company that has 50 gigabytes of data. You don't need like a team of data scientists to tell you this, or even a data scientist necessarily. But you do need to have someone who could work with a database, mm -hmm. potentially could set up something like BigQuery or Redshift, and then start to gather data and find out more. Because a data scientist is going to get bored in those companies. And I, see, I also see that a lot, particularly if they're the only person in there. You know, you don't have anyone to validate what you're working on. Yeah. People in the company don't know what you're working on necessarily, so you can feel like you're butting your head against a brick wall almost. That is really difficult, yeah, because uh, in my team, whenever we pull a single data scientist on a topic, uh, there's little natural collaboration or structured collaboration, yeah. then we tend to see the same pattern as well because it, it's very easy to just go down the rabbit hole and not having the support or the feedback to help you gain a different perspective or try different things. Yeah, exactly, which is why data science needs to be embedded more in like a whole company. But if you, if you have them siloed off in a team or 
I've seen data scientists put under marketing, under mm. tech, under their own team that's, you know, not so embedded in the business. But when you really actually say, okay, sit with everyone, can you almost make everyone themselves a tiny data scientist? That's almost the level that you should be trying to get to where you can sit with products or marketing or finance and help them to understand how data science can operate. When a data scientist go into a team working with other roles, then not only they need to be a good data scientist, but they also need to help others understand data science or at least understand his work and how they can work together. And I think that's what helps data scientists get the most value. And also it's for yourself. Like you, you want to feel like you're, you're <laughs> yeah. making an impact a lot mm -hmm. of the time. And there's you know, a reason for leaving that I hear or something that's important for people mm -hmm. if they're moving to a new role is impact. Like I hear it a lot. So you need to have the right setup or you know, be able to communicate with people that you can make that happen for yourself. So last but not least, if you can send one message to all data scientists and people who work with data scientists in the world, what would that be? <laughs> Solve the simple issues first, and then you can focus on uh, the bigger stuff or the more complex stuff. Why that message? Data science can be kept simple. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is also part of naked data science. <laughs> but it doesn't need to be people being the most clever people in the room or mm -hmm. a company doing the craziest machine learning solution. But it can provide so much value by doing things faster and more simply. And then you can actually achieve more and, and have more impact. In our experience, what we notice is this misperception. A lot of times it's very easy to assume that the more complex the solution, the better result or the better impact it creates. While in our case, we have seen again and again that sometimes simpler solutions give you equal, if not better result than a more complicated data science solution. A simpler solution is not necessarily easier to find than a complex solution. Actually, a lot of times, it's easier to work on a complex solution, but to really get to the simple solution, the essence side of things, that again requires you to really think about what is the problem you're trying to solve from the business side, what is the impact you're trying to create, and how does that link to data and the technique, the technology you are going to use. Mm -hmm. So. Thank you very much. I think that's a really powerful message. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I think like I would completely agree also on that side. So what is the problem you're trying to solve? That is the core of what you need to get to. And then the rest can come after that. So if you properly understand it, you ask enough questions, you speak with enough people, you will be able to really nail down what is the thing that you're trying to solve. And then you can work from there. I have one more point that I wanted to say. Earlier, the point that you were talking about in terms of what kind of skills are going to help people improve, it comes down to, it's a bit of a hype at the moment, but people are talking about the analytics translator. And that is really, I think it came out from McKinsey, but it's the person who can be the bridge between data or data mm. science team and business. And what I see is these people are actually technical, so they can do the things themselves, but they're actually the people who are able to explain it back to the business. And I think this is what we were also talking about. It's a very rare profile, no? Yeah. It's, yeah uh, you don't bit. come across yeah. those every day. But I think the biggest advancements are actually being made by the cloud platforms. So it's so important these days to know AWS or GCP or yeah. Azure mm. because they're the ones that are going to bring out the most innovative products faster or the most complex technological tools. So you can already pull off the shelf algorithms from Google or AWS, for example. So you're not going to need to spend a month designing your own algorithm because yeah. you're going to be able to choose one. So the key is actually better to understand when to implement it and how to explain that to people and be able to use these tools that are provided for you. Automation is actually where you're going to have to stay ahead of. Yeah.
one of the powerful things that these cloud providers allow a business to do is to really understand what is the problem we try to solve and not having to spend as much effort as they spent before on the infrastructure or making sure that the software can run reliably and now that is going beyond infrastructure and into the machine learning, into all different kind of data science solution side of things. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think that's maybe even the number one thing that people should be focusing on if they're teaching themselves stuff. Thank you very much for this. Uh, anything else you would like to add? Anything else we missed before? Not off the top of my head. I, I think we've covered quite a bit. People need to understand the business. People need to be full stack. So I hear a lot of full stack data scientists. Yeah more than I ever used to, meaning people can do the engineering, they can deploy, they can visualize, they can present to the business. So keep your skills wide in that sense and uh, have fun with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Angus. This has been a really nice exchange yeah. and I uh, appreciate your time. Thank you very much for me in, in the offices and uh, I hope it's been helpful. Just one last thing before you go. If you are not a data scientist yet, but want to become one, you should really attend our webinar. We will demystify the transition into data science. We'll show you the most effective way to build your skills, and we'll advise you on the four possible options you can take to go from where you are to landing a data science job in as little as nine months. Find out more at nds.show forward slash webinar. That is nds dot show forward slash webinar. All right, that's the end of this episode. Have a nice day. Mm -hmm.